You're listening to the Jewel City Podcast. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. or 6 p.m. We have something for all people and all ages. Or join our live stream at 10 a.m. In this podcast, we'll hear a message from Pastor Rita. Let all the saints at Jewel City tonight say praise the Lord. How many of you are tired? That's everybody, even Bruce. Okay, we're tired tonight. You know, when I walk through my house sometimes, the Bible talks about a sacrifice of praise. And sometimes when I walk through my house, I say, Lord, this is not a... Because when I think of a sacrifice, it's something that you have to, to give up or you know, lay down. And sometimes I say, Lord... This is not a sacrifice of praise because I want to praise you. I have so much to thank you for, and I list all of the prayers that he has answered. But tonight, we are few tonight. I guess word leaked out that Pastor Aaron wasn't going to speak, and I was, so we're kind of few here tonight. But also, and I think that we're tired. It's been a very, very busy weekend, a busy week. So uh, I'm going to ask you tonight just one more time. Can we stand and give the Lord a sacrifice of praise? It's his season. It's his birthday. Let's give him a sacrifice of praise tonight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We give you glory tonight. We give you praise tonight for who you are. Saturate this place tonight, O Lord. Walk up and down these aisles. Revive us and rejuvenate us tonight, O Lord. Let us come alive, even though some of us are tired and maybe don't feel well in our body. But I praise you tonight for who you are. I praise you for this season. I praise you for the word that I feel like that you have laid upon my heart tonight. Let everyone be receivers and hearers of the word. Let it quicken and change us tonight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I heard someone say the other day, and I liked it, he said, be careful when you get up and say, well, the Lord gave me this song, or the Lord gave me this sermon. Because he said, after I heard the song, and after I heard the sermon, I realized why he gave it to you. He didn't want it. <laughs> and so tonight, I've uh, got some thoughts that I feel like that the Lord has laid on my heart tonight. And uh, I warn you, you know, usually I say I was taught that if I look out and I see you sleeping, just to let you sleep because I put you there. But tonight, don't be a Eutychus and fall asleep. I won't keep you long, okay? Um, tonight, I'm going to take my text from Judges 15, verses 1 through three. I'm reading, first of all, from the King James Version, Judges 15, one through three. And it said, but it came to pass within a while after in the time of wheat harvest that Samson visited his wife with a kid. That's a goat. <laughs> and he said, I will not go into, I, I will go into my wife into the chamber but her father would not suffer him to go in. And her father said, I verily thought that thou hadst utterly hated her. Therefore, I gave her to thy companion. His father-in-law gave his wife away. Okay. Instead, he said, is not her sister younger and fairer than she? Take her. I pray thee instead of, her, of, of your wife. And Samson said concerning them, now shall I be more blameless than the Philistines, though I do them a displeasure. Now I'm going to read that same passage again, but I'm going to read it from the living Bible, okay? It says, later on during the wheat 
harvest. I want you to underline that or take note of that. Wheat harvest. Samson took a young goat as a present to his wife, intending to sleep with her. Yet another version said he intended on taking her to the bridal chamber. But her father wouldn't let him in. I really thought you hated her, he explained, so I married her to your best man. But look, her sister's prettier than she is. Her sister is younger than she is. Marry her instead. Samson was furious. And he said, you can't blame me for whatever happens now, he shouted. So without going into much history, I don't want to cover it all because it's a long story, okay? But I'm just going to say at one time, Samson killed a lion. And after he killed this lion on his way back, he saw the carcass of the lion. We know that he saw some honey in the lion and he took and ate of the honey. And after he ate of the honey, he made up a riddle. Okay, I'm not going to go into all of that, but he went down to his wife that he had just married and he said to his wife and he told her the riddle and he said, nobody will know the answers. And he had a bet going on a wager with the Philistines. I bet you can't guess the answer to this riddle. If you can guess it, he says, you know, I'm going to give you uh, 30 garments of, uh, of, of good clothes. And if, you, if I, you can't guess it, then you give me 30 garments of nice clothing. Okay, well, his wife boo-hooed and bawled and squalled until she, he finally told her the answer to the riddle that he had from the lion. And she told her people. So the people knew the answer to the riddle, and boy, Samson was mad. So he knew he owed the Philistines 30 raiments, 30 garments. So what did he do? He just killed 30 of them, took their clothes and paid his debt. Okay, well, this upset everybody. And, and then Samson was mad. He was, they had a lover's quarrel right on the honeymoon. Okay, how about that? You know, usually you wait out till after the honeymoon before you fight, but they had a fight on their honeymoon. Okay, and so he was mad at her because he felt, you betrayed me. You told the answer to the riddle to your own people. I'm your husband. So he got mad and what did he do? Uh, he went to mommy and daddy's house. He went home. So when he got home, he stayed there for a while. And after he was there a few days, he said, hmm, I'm going to go back and see my new wife. I'm I'm going to go. And it said he took her a gift. He took her a kid, a goat. Now, he took a goat, number one. He was going to make a peace offering unto the Lord. And not only unto the Lord, but he was going to make a peace offering to his wife. They had had a squabble, and he was going home. And, and not only that, but he chose a goat because a goat was one of the offerings that you could offer as a peace offering and then eat the offering, okay? Because usually if you offered a sacrifice, it had to stay at the temple or go to the priests. But you could eat this peace offering if it was a goat. So he was going to eat, and he also had something else on his mind. He was a young man in love, and all the virgins said he planned on taking her to the bridal chamber that night. And some of the research that I did, it said that he planned on, you know, back in those days, it was a disgrace if you could not have children or did not have children. Today, you can choose to have kids or not have kids. It's an option. Back then, it really wasn't. You know, it was important that a wife give her husband some children, sons, daughters. Now, um, it might have even been the man's fault, but if a, child, a couple was childless, the woman always got the blame. 
Okay, and so uh, they said, we're gonna, I'm going to go home, I'm going to take this kid, we're going to sacrifice it, and I'm going in and take my wife to the wedding chamber. Now, I want you to get this picture. As everybody says, I like to paint a picture, and I do, because I think so many times we just go over the, uh, the stories in the Old and the New Testament, and we've heard them, they've become so commonplace, we've heard them so often that we just take them for granted. I want you to picture this good-looking hunk of a man. No, you don't look anything like Bruce. Okay, I want you to picture this good-looking hunk of a man, and he got lots of hair. He's just got hair all over. How many of you know what Michelle Frey's, well, she's here tonight, her little her son, I don't know if he was three or four years old, when she was going to give him a haircut, you know, he's got all those golden curls. Oh, he's got all the beautiful head full of hair. I picture a young Samson, all those curls and hair. And so Michelle, one said she was going to cut his hair. And he said, oh, oh, you know, you maybe cut down here or cut the sides, but don't cut this. Don't cut the curls. And she says, why don't you want your curls cut? He looked up at her and he said, the old women really love them curls. <laughs> and I'm one of the old women that really like them curls. And every time I see him, I say, can I touch him? Can I just touch him? And he sticks his head out, you know. I, I picture Samson with a head full of hair. I picture him, when I see a good-looking guy, you know what I call him? I call him eye candy. Okay, so here's some eye candy. Diddy bopping down the road, he got a goat, and he got love on his mind. You know, it had been better off maybe if he had taken some uh, Russell Stover and a dozen roses. Okay, but he had a kid under his arm, and he's on his way down to see his new wife. And he thought, I'm going to start me a family. I'm going to get me a son, or I'm going to get me a daughter. There's going to be a child conceived tonight. And he was so happy. Now, picture this. You can read it in Judges 15. When he gets to his father-in-law's house where his wife was, he knocks on the door. The father-in-law comes and he, he spreads himself at the door and he said, you're not going in. And Samson said, well, my wife's in there. He said, you're not going in the door. Now read this and I want you to picture this. I just want you to picture, I mean, I wouldn't tell Samson he couldn't come in. You know, I would let Samson go anywhere he wanted to go. I knew some of his history. I knew that he was the strongest man in town. Okay, so I'd say, wherever you want to go, you can go. But they, they blocked the doorway and said, you can't come in. And he said, I thought you hated her. When you left a while back, after she had told the riddle and betrayed you, you were mad at her and you stormed out of here, and I didn't know if you were ever coming back. He said, so I married, you know the guy that was the best man that you were I gave her away to your best man. Read it. It's all in Judges chapter 15. It's better than any novel you could ever pick up and read. This is good stuff. And it says, and look at my, her younger sister. That's what, they all, that's what my parents always said when the guys came to the door. <laughs> look at her younger sister. She's taller and thinner and fairer than her. And he said, why don't you take her younger sister? She's prettier. She's younger. Take her sister. Samson didn't want her sister. He wanted her. And he says, well, you're not coming in, and you're not going to get her. Well, I mean, Samson really got angry. And you know what he said? He looked his father-in-law right in the eye, and he said, you think I was naughty when I killed 30 of your men and took their garments and paid my debt? I'm not responsible. I read that in my text. I'm not responsible for what I'm going to do now. I will not be held accountable. And then I didn't even know if he knew at that time what he was going to do. But what did he do? How many of us know? He went fox hunting. 
Okay. Now, I've never caught a fox, and I have no desire to do so. Okay, but I do know that uh, I know some people that have caught fox, and it takes some work, and it might take some time. Now, I want you to picture this. We've heard this story since I was a child. I've heard this story. Can you picture, okay, now he's caught a dozen foxes. How long did that take, and what did he do with them? Did he put them in a shanty or a woodshed somewhere? What did he do with it? Now he's got 100 foxes, and he's still hunting for foxes. And he's keeping on fox hunting. He goes out every day fox hunting. Now he's got 175 foxes, okay? And he's still got them all pinned up somewhere, okay? Now he's got 299. Now the magic number. Samson captured 300 foxes. Now, that took some time. And it took some planning. He had to have a place rusty to keep them, okay? After he got all these foxes together, what did he do? It took more time because he took them and he coupled them up. And what did he do? He took their tails. Hmm, all you animal lovers should be living about now, okay? Okay, and he took their tails and he tied them together. So there were 150 couples of foxes, okay? He tied their tails together in a knot. And then what did he do? He got a torch or a lantern of some kind and stuck them in between those tails. And then he set those tails on fire. And what did he do with them? He took them. It was what time did I say in the scripture, in the text? It was harvest time. Now, these Philistines had plowed. They had planted they had uh, uh, watered, and they had hoed, they had weeded, they had done all of these things, and winter was coming on, and it was time to go out and gather all of the wheat and the barley and the, and the crops and the corn and the grapes and the olives. It was time to gather in for harvest and winter, okay? He took them right out in the middle of their fields, set their tails on fire, and they went through the fields burning all of the crops. Read it. It said it destroyed their wheat, their grain, their barley, even their olive trees and their vineyards. Their grapes were gone, no wine. And I mean the Philistines, of course, were livid. They were absolutely livid. They said, what are we going to do? Winter is coming on. And we've worked so hard and all of this is in vain. And they were so upset. And they said, who did this? Well, word got around. Well, Samson did this. Samson did it because he was mad at his father-in-law. He was mad at his father-in-law and his new wife, so he did it. So the Philistines were so angry, what did they do? They went down to father-in-law's house. Oh, I love this chapter. It floats my boat. He went down to father-in-law's house, and they knocked on the door, and he said, you know, we are really upset at you. Look what you've done because you've angered uh, this Nazarite. You've angered Samson, the judge of Israel. I want you to know now that Israel was still in their own land, but they were under Philistine rule at this time. They were not in charge themselves, and Samson was the judge of them at this time, okay? He was the judge of Israel. And so they said, we're so upset. So they killed the father-in-law. They killed the wife, put them in their house, burnt the house to the ground. I'll tell you, there was a lot of fire in, in Israel that, that week. Okay, burned the house to the ground. Well, when Samson found out, this is retaliation after retaliation. When Samson found out 
that they had burned his father-in-law's house, killed his father-in-law and his wife, what did he do? I'm telling you, he went on the rampage and he began to kill. And there was, it was just a lot of this back and forth and back and forth, which I won't really get into, but I will stop at one point and say that finally, after had Samson had killed a thousand more Philistines and that it said he slew them hip and thigh. I mean, he killed, I, and see, I still, I say this every time, Leanne, but I can't figure out, you know, if there's a thousand people, like there was a thousand people here this morning, okay, if I'm over here killing somebody, what's these people over here doing? Man, I'd be getting out of town. I'd get out of the cove. I wouldn't say, I'm next in line. I'm next. I'm ne-. I would get out of the cove. Okay, but here, he's over here killing. I don't, I don't, I believe it. It's in the word. I just don't understand it. Okay, so he kills thousands of people. So then he got out of Dodge, okay? And it said he went up to a place called Lehi. And he didn't stop at Lehi, but he went through Lehi and went on to the caves of Etah, E-T-A-H. And he stayed there in the land and the caves of Etah. Well, the Philistine said he's not getting away with this. He might have got away, but he, he's out of town. But they got a posse, and they got a posse of a 1,000 people, a 1,000 men. And they hightailed it. They trailed him, and they went up to Judah. Now, there are 12 tribes of Israel, and they all were famous or for one thing or another. Judah, can anybody tell me here, I know that Jesus was from Judah. He was the lion of Judah. But what was Judah famous for? Praise. That's right. Judah was famous for their praise. They were praisers. They loved to praise Jehovah. They loved and they praised Jehovah all the time. And that was their reputation. They stood and they raised their hands toward Yahweh, toward Yeshua, toward Jehovah, and they praised him. Well, the enemy went up to Judah. Okay, let me tell you something. What the Holy Spirit spoke to me was, the enemy camped. It says they camped. It says here, let me see what it actually says here. I'm ahead of my notes here. They camped and they pitched their tent in Judah. So what that says to me was, the enemy is going to camp right in the middle of your praise. He wants to take the praise from your heart. He wants to take the praise from your mouth. He wants to take the praise from your life. And if he can take your praise, you're on your way to defeat. You know, anyone can sing when the sun's shining bright. But you need a song in your heart at night. You know, when everything is falling apart, great and godly is the man or the woman that can stand and say, through it all, I am choose, I am going to praise the Lord. So the devil would love to camp right in the middle of your Judah. He would love to camp in the middle of your praise. Sometimes we feel like praising the Lord, and sometimes we don't. And I think it's when you don't that you need to get up. Many times in my kitchen all by myself, I go around and around my table and I just begin to praise the Lord. I just begin to praise him. And if I don't feel his presence right then, the longer I go around and around and the longer I praise, his spirit begins to 
come into the kitchen and I begin to feel his presence. The devil wants your praise tonight. So the enemy went up. They said, we're going to get Samson. So they stopped right in the middle of Judah. But it doesn't end there. How many of you know that everything in the Bible happens for a reason? Nothing is there by coincidence. Nothing just happens. And sometimes we don't dig deep enough to find out some of the real depth of the meanings that we have. Because as I was digging, as I was preparing this, and I thought, isn't that just like the devil to camp right in the middle of your praise? Isn't that just like him to want to steal your song? And so, but not only that, but they it said that they, play, they camped, they went up through Judah, and in Judah there was a little city called Etah. Okay, I mean, I'm sorry, it was Lehi. Okay, and so when they went to Lehi, they were camping there as well, a thousand of them. Now, here's all these Philistines being overrun. Uh, I mean, all of God's people being overrun by the Philistines. There's a thousand of them, and some of the men get together and said, you know, there's a thousand of them. What, what are they doing in our city? Why are they here in Judah? Why are they here in Lehi? What are they doing? And so, do you know what Lehi means? Lehi means mouth or jaw. You see, this is all connected. The praise starts in our heart, but where does it come out? It comes out our mouth, okay? It comes out our mouth. I've seen some people, matter of fact, just real recently, I saw some people say, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. It's to come out of our mouth. We're to show some excitement. We're to show some life. If that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in us, it's going to quicken your mortal body. You're not going to sit there like a knot on a pickle. You're going to get up and you're going to praise the Lord and do something. I'm telling you, we need to pray. So right in the middle of praise, right in the middle of mouth where our praise comes out of, where we should witness and testify and thank the Lord, there was the enemy camped right there. He'll camp and he'll get you to try to shut your mouth. He'll get you to try to be quiet when it's testimony time, when it's time to witness and tell someone about Jesus. He will shut your jaw. He will lock your jaw. He will try anything. That's what the enemy does. So all of God's people went down to Lehi and they said, what are you doing here? There's a thousand of you. What are you doing here? They said, Samson has destroyed our crops. We have nothing for the winter. He has killed all these people. He's done uh, so much damage that we want to get Samson. Okay, so what, what did they do? The, the people of Lehi said, hey, he's not here. He went through here. He did go through here. He did, but he's not here now. He said he went on to Etah. If you want to go up there, he's on up there to Etah. And so what did they do? They said, well, we're going after him. And here's, there was 3,000 men. Now, I want you to get this picture. 3,000 of God's people against 1,000 of the enemy. I mean, they were outnumbered. The enemy was three to one. Why didn't God's people just whoop their tail? Why didn't they? Sometimes God's people are intimidated when we should stand up and rise to the occasion and not be afraid of the enemy. So many times we run from the enemy. There's a sign on my refrigerator, and you know what it says? It says, I want to fight this fight so well and so hard. I want to fight the good fight of faith that when I die, all hell rejoices that I'm out of the fight. 
All hell is celebrating. Thank God the woman is dead. She's quit praising. She's quit teaching. She's quit preaching. She is silent now. So I'm going to tell you, there was 3,000 of God's people against 1,000 of the enemy. And they said, don't you go to Etah. Don't you go up there. Let us go. Let us go up and reason with him. And, and as I was preparing this, I thought, they said, we're going to go in, turn our own guy in. They call that friendly fire nowadays in the military. When you turn on your own or when you shoot your own, either intentionally or accidentally, that's friendly fire. How many of you know that today in the church itself, there's too much friendly fire? We're so guilty to turn on one another so quickly. Sometimes we gossip and talk about somebody else, some other brother or sister that's trying so hard. They're trying their very best. And so many times there's so much in internal conflict in the church. There's so much friendly fire. You know, we, we, we even forget what the preacher talked about. We forget what happened. We forget what praise songs we sang. We forget all of these things because so-and-so offended us, because we're upset at so-and-so. And there's grudges, and there's all of these things that are taking place in the church. And then sometimes we get upset because, you know, we don't agree with the people down the road. But, you know, and I'm not here to lift up anybody tonight, but Jesus Christ. Christ. That's who I'm lifting up because if I lift up Jesus, he will do the work that needs to be done here. That's his promise. He will save. He will deliver. He will feel. He will do what needs to be done tonight. But I like pastor's philosophy. We just open our doors to anybody. We just say, come one, come all. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, if you're black or white, if you're Methodist or Baptist. You know, we, we just throw open our doors to everyone and that's the way it should be. Christ died for the world that the world might be saved. And so there's so much, if we would quit fighting ourselves and quit fighting the Methodists down the road and their philosophy and quit fighting the church of Christ and unify as one body, I believe that all hell would be shaken, that all hell would be fearful because I'm telling you, there's power in numbers. There's power when Christians stick together. So here, these 3,000 men said to the 1,000, well, we'll go up and get him for you. So they went up to the caves of Etah and they failed found Samson. And when they found Samson, Samson said, what are you doing here? Well, he said, well, there's a thousand Philistines down there at Judah, down there in Lehi, and they've come after you, and we're going to take you back to them. And Samson said, okay, I'll let you take me back, okay? And he said, you can bind me. And they put, the Bible says, two new cords on this Mighty man of God. Okay, even I would laugh at that. I mean, here was a man. They knew his reputation. I mean, he killed thousands at one time. He did all of these things. Why, one time they tried to trap him inside the city of Gaza. Do you remember that? And he went and got, well, so I better go home. And he, he gets up about midnight and he goes to the gates and he shakes him and they've locked him inside the city. What did he do? Anybody know? He just picked up the gates, picked up, I don't know how much of the gates he took and the fence, and it says he carried them some 38 to 40 miles to a place near Hebron, laid them down on the hillside, and did he bopped on home. So two little cords are going to hold Samson, but they bound him with two new cords. And what he said to the 3,000 men, I'll go with you, but before we get back to Judah and Lehi, promise me you won't kill me. You're, now, you'll turn me over to the enemy, right? Now, I want you to get this picture. Here is they bound Samson. I can see this, hmm, good-looking eye candy type guy. 
And probably inside he's thinking, you think you got me bound? Okay. And I can just see, I don't know, but I picture it at nighttime. I picture the lanterns and the, and the torches flickering among the, the olive leaves and the olive branches. And they're on their way. 3,001 men now on their way back to Lehi. And when the enemy, when the enemy, the thousand people saw them coming. Now, here's, here's the thing too, and I, I don't know exactly where to take this, but Here's the enemy standing in the middle of Judah, standing in the middle of Lehi in the praise where God's people should be praising, but the enemy is praising. It said that when they saw Samson coming and they knew there's our enemy right there and he's bound, he's got two ropes on him, he's bound, what did he do? They said they began to shout and they began to praise. They were doing what God's people should have been doing all along. You know, they say, I won't let no rock cry out in my place. The word says if we don't praise him, that the rocks and the hills will cry out and praise him. But the enemy was praising because of what was happening in God's camp. But that's backwards. It's turned around. We should be praising. And all of a sudden, here's Samson. He's got these two little tiny ropes on him, okay? All right, now they're new, so they should be a little bit stronger. But I like this. It says, and the spirit of the Lord came upon him. And I liked, it said he just went, he didn't even struggle. It just said it was like charred flax. It just came off. And the spirit of the Lord was on him. And I bet you some in the crowd recognized that look. Oh, good grief. I've seen that look before. What's going to happen? Now, remind, now, he's in a place called jawbone. He's in a place called mouth. And he should be praising. The people should be praising. And he thought, uh-oh, here comes a thousand men toward me. I see them. They got spears. They got swords. They got all kinds of weapons. And they got hate in their eyes. I've got nothing in my hand. But what did he do? He looked down in the dust. And what did he see? He saw the jawbone. This is the jawbone of a real donkey. This is what he saw. He saw the jawbone of a donkey laying in the dust. I was afraid to pick that thing up. So I asked Scotty if he would. <laughs> Thank you, Scotty. And he bent, what did the word say that he did? He saw this jawbone of a donkey, compliments of Spiker Farm. Okay. And he reached down and he picked up, I would say he picked it up by this end. And he just started slinging until all 1,000 of them once again lay in the dust, deader than 3 o'clock. Okay, here they are. Now, the point that I want to bring out here is that that donkey had to die just at the right time. You see what I mean? God was working when Samson didn't know it. If that donkey had died just last week or yesterday, that jawbone would have been no good to him. It would have not decayed enough. Had that donkey died three, four, five, six months ago, it would have been so brittle that when he picked up this jawbone to fight with it, it would have cracked and fallen apart. That donkey died at just the appointed time that Samson could do what he needed to do. So 
One of my points, and I'm going to reiterate this in the ending, is even as Carrie would sing sometimes, when you don't know it, he's working. Even when you don't feel it, he's working. Even when you think he's being silent on your behalf, he's working. Because God knew that one day, Samson would find himself. The title of my message is Showdown on Jawbone Hill. Lord knew that one day, Samson would need this jawbone. That donkey died at the appointed time, just like I was thinking too. Isn't God good how he thinks ahead? You know, he plans ahead. And I just thought, you know, as Pastor mentioned the other day too, when Abraham took his son Isaac by the hand and they were walking up Mount Moriah and, and little Isaac looked up and he said, Dad, <laughs> we got the wood. We got everything we need, but we don't have the sacrifice. Wouldn't that touch a father's heart? And he says, well, the Lord will provide. And as they were walking up the mountain, and Abraham didn't know exactly what was going to happen. He did not know. He just, he just trusted. He just obeyed as he held that little hand thinking that maybe. But he did say to his servants, the lad and I will return. So he spoke in faith. They walked up the mountain. Little did Abraham know that as they walked up one side of the mountain, there was a ram walking up the other side of the mountain. And at just the right appointed time, the ram and Abraham were going to meet on the hilltop. And just as Abraham had the knife in the air, all of a sudden he heard something in the thicket. And he turned around and looked, and there was the ram, and the voice of God spoke. The ram came at just the right time. Ten minutes later, they would have missed each other. Ten minutes earlier, they would have missed each other. But just like Samson, God knew that Samson would need a jawbone. The donkey died at the right time. The ram walked up the mountain at the right time. And I just thought also, this is just another thought that had popped in my head when Jesus came to Jericho. And little old short Zacchaeus wanted to see him and he couldn't see over the heads. He looked ahead and right there in the path on the Jericho road, there was a sycamore tree. And it was planted years ago. But right when Zacchaeus needed it, he shimmied up that tree and he perched himself on one of the branches. You see, when you are sleeping, God is working. When you are praying, God is working. And Isaiah tells us that there comes a time that while we are yet speaking and we haven't even said amen, that he will answer our prayer. And I'm waiting for that time. You know, he's been so good. I was just on my way. I had to speak this morning at another church. And when I was at this other church on my way, I was just naming all of the blessings of God. All of the blessings. I said, thank you, Lord. You just answered this prayer. You just answered that prayer. You just did this. And, and this has just been recently. And by the time I got to that church, I was so excited. It didn't last long, though, okay? Now, so... <laughs> but anyway, uh, let me catch up with my notes here. Uh, Samson picked up this, and he slew 1,000 Philistines. There was a showdown on Jawbone Hill. Now, after he slew 1,000 people, what happens after you work real hard? You get thirsty. That's right. You get tired, and you get thirsty. He sat down up there. He looked at all the 1,000 corpses, 998, 999, 1,000. 
And then he said, I sure could use a Diet Coke. I mean, he said, I sure could use a drink of water right now. I like coffee or Diet Coke. Those are my drinks of choice, okay? And so he said, I sure could use some water. And then he said, Lord, now I just won a victory here with this jawbone here. I just won a victory. I killed 1,000 men. Now am I going to die of thirst? (laughs) I tell you, we don't treat God right. I mean, if he can provide a donkey bone and give you victory and strength and power to kill a thousand men, and then you're complaining because you're there, you're going to let me die down here? Okay, and all of a sudden, now there's some debate here. Uh, Steve and I get in some debate sometimes, and it's good debate. It's all a good, good, good debate. Steve is quite the scholar, okay? Now, Steve said, because it said that when he finished, when Samson finished with the jawbone, he threw it away. Okay, but then when he got thirsty, it said out of the hollow of the jaw, he heard a spring. He heard some water running, and he turned and looked. Steve seems to think it's the jawbone, and it very well could be. I don't know. I wasn't there. But because the place, the hill itself was called the jaw, I thought that perhaps God just opened up a hollow in the ground and caused water to come up out of it. I don't know, and I don't care. The word says it's happened, and I believe it happened. Water came from somewhere, and also in Judges 15, it says that water is still there today. That stream, that's what it says in in, in Judges 15, that that water is still there today. So I'm not going to be much longer. I'm going to give you my conclusion. What do I want you to take away? I asked some people this morning at church. I said, what did your pastor preach on last week? (laughs) Nobody knew. Okay. So when you leave tonight, I want you to say, she spoke on showdown at Jawbone Hill. Okay. How many of you have ever seen Hacksaw Ridge? Oh, that's one of my favorite all-time movies. I probably have seen it. I probably have seen it over 25 times. I just love it. And that little guy, he's just a little guy that stars in it. What's his name? I don't know. I forget his name, but boy, is he good. He, now, he floats my boat. Okay, he's just a, he's a good-looking little fella. Okay, and he went through, he fought through World War II, but he refused to carry a weapon of any kind. And he's the only conscientious objector. He saved 70 men, stayed up on the mountain. I tell you, it's a good movie if you've not seen it. He's the only conscientious objector to ever win a Purple Heart or an award of any kind uh, because he refused to carry a weapon. But I I wanted to call this message Showdown on Jawbone Ridge. But other people said, no, call it Hill, so... I slipped that ridge in there. You noticed that? But heal. But what do I want you to take away from this tonight? Number one, I want you to take away that God will use you in spite of yourself. Do you ever not like yourself? You feel we fall short in this area. I just think of Samson. He had a temper. He had a weakness. He had a weakness for women. 
Okay, he had uh, other weaknesses as well. And he was always full of retaliation. He had a vengeful spirit. I'll get even with you. But God called him and he judged Israel for 20 years. And in the end, we know that he said, Lord, let your spirit come upon me one more time. Because as he was bound as he was blind and grinding like an ox at the meal, he felt his hair begin to grow back. He said, Lord, remember me one more time. And he killed more Philistines in his death than he did in his entire life. So God used him and chose him in spite of himself. God will use you no matter how bad you feel about yourself. And number two, I want you not to forget that even when you can't see it, he's working. Even when you don't feel it and you feel like maybe he's deserted you and he's left you and he's busy blessing other people and other things and doing other things, he's working. Ask Samson. He's working. Ask Abraham. He's working. Ask Zacchaeus. He's working. Even before I needed the tree, he planted it. Even before I needed the ram, he spoke up that side of the mountain, boy. Okay, and another thing, don't ever let the enemy steal your praise. Don't let him camp in the middle of your praise. All right, don't let the enemy close your mouth. I have also got another sign on my refrigerator. You should see my refrigerator. Well, you can't see my refrigerator. You just assume there's an icebox there. There's pictures all over it, and there's sayings all over it. And one of them says, never run to your giant with your mouth closed. Run to your giant with your mouth open. What did David do? He said, I'm not only going to kill you, big boy. But I'm, when you fall to the ground, about a five on a Richter scale, I'm going to take your own sword and cut your head off and feed it to the birds. He ran to his giant with the mouth open. Run to your giant with your mouth open. Don't let the enemy steal your praise. I would like it to be said, showdown at Jewel City Church. And all of the saints of God came out on top. Because we refuse to let the enemy take our praise. We refuse to be defeated. Talk back to hell. We've got the power. We've got more power. Now, hell can be intimidating, that's for sure. But who's got the ultimate power? Jesus Christ. And he said he would give us power. Power from on high. Satan trembles when he sees the weakest Christian on his knees. When you deal down of a morning, I believe Satan trembles. We need to realize who we are. And when it comes our turn to have showdown at Jawbone Hill, we walk away as Samson, victorious and revived. God bless you. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Heavenly Father, I feel your presence in this place. Sometimes it is a shout. And I'm a shouter. Sometimes it's in the song and the dance. Sometimes there's just a still, small voice. Just a quietness. Thank you for the victory that you gave Samson that day. That you looked ahead in time. And the donkey died the moment it was intended to die. Help us to trust you more. 
Help us to praise you more. Help us to be more faithful and more consistent. We pray. As your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I want to ask all of you, I, I think I know most of you, but not all of you. It has been a busy weekend, and I don't know how many, bless God, gave their hearts to the Lord this weekend. New names are being written down in glory. But if your name is not one of those names, it's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and you can't say with surety, I know it's there. Would you just slip up your hand tonight and say, Pastor Rita, don't bring me up front. Don't call me out. But I'm acknowledging the fact tonight that I know that my name is not written down. I'm not sure where I'm going to spend eternity. I'm going to give you just a few seconds to raise your hand if you don't know Jesus. Okay, you can lift your heads. I want to thank you for your kind attention tonight. Thank you for listening to Showdown on Jawbone Hill. When Samson walked away with the victory, and the word uses in Judges 15, he walked away revived. I want you to walk out of here tonight in victory. I want you to walk out tonight revived. And what a beautiful season this is. It's that we know that Christ wasn't actually born in December, but it's the time that we have chosen to celebrate and celebrate I do. Thank you for listening to the Jewel City Podcast. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. or 6 p.m. We have something for all people and all ages. Or join our live stream at 10 a.m. 